0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of our Tax podcast. Today, we will talk about the future of work. Um, in the current time, when vaccines are being distributed, people start to think of how we will work in the new normal. Uh, recently, a Belgian multinational company even already announced that a significant part of the time, employees will be working from home also in the future. This company will even reduce the available uh, office space. So time to think about the broader impact of all of this. And I have, um, I'm have, i very pleased that I have with me a number of experts on the tax side of this. I have with me Evie Geert, director in our global tax team. Jonas van der Hoogt, a transfer pricing partner in our team. As well as Philippe van Praat, senior manager in our global people and organization team. I think we have all the experts we need to reflect a little bit on this topic. And perhaps Jonas, I want to start with you. Uh, It would be good for the listeners that we have a bit of an overview of what is ongoing and and your perspective to that. Could could you take us through that?
1: Yeah, definitely, Peter, and uh, welcome, everyone. So uh, just a bit of background on the relevance of the topic. So uh, maybe the BEPS project, let's start with that one. Um, It had an important impact on the notion of substance uh, in transfer pricing and also for international tax. And I think most pronounced was the inclusion of the dempy notion in the relation to intangibles and the the fact that risks and the returns associated with those risks should actually be allocated to entities that exercise control and that have also financial capacity and so what we are witnessing today is that tax authorities around the world are starting to use these concepts when reviewing international tax operations of multinationals but also that multinationals have dedicated uh, their time to address the topic of substance, considering the possibilities and constraints of the business, their business models, and also the evolutions of those business models. And this means actually making sure that the right people are sitting in the right location, that governance frameworks are being drafted or improved, that policies are being updated, and that key decisions, meetings, attendees to those type of meetings are also being documented. And I think there are two evolutions that are impacting those efforts. First of all, the work the OECD is undertaking in relation to Pillar 1 and Pillar 2, uh, and that topic has been discussed, I believe, Peter, in in previous podcasts. But I think the the work is actually... um, Well, Pillar 1 Pillar 2 is actually a bit agnostic to the concept of, of substance, and so one can question how the notion of substance will actually evolve under the current OECD guidelines and the profit allocation as a result of Pillar 1 and Pillar 2, and how they will actually interact. And if they will uh, interact at all Um, and in addition COVID-19 has also brought about new questions on substance groups have have been confronted with employees unable to work out of a certain jurisdiction where they should work because of travel bans home country work being normal commuters but more broadly the fact that talent is global and that the best woman or man for the job might not necessarily be willing to relocate anymore we've had many questions from clients on this subject i wanted to share some initial observations group need to take on board as they work on a proper assessment and policy within the confines of their business reality so i think peter that to set a bit the scene from my end
0: thanks jonas and, and indeed again this background of uh of change and and, and new ways of working I can imagine, Philippe, that when you, in in your role uh, and and with your background, if you talk with clients and and business, that this topic must come up all the time. Uh, What are, according to you, the the, the main topics that that people should consider when when policies, HR policies, adapt to this new reality?
2: Well, yes, Peter. Uh, Employers and their HR administration seem to welcome this new reality as it is often perfectly fitting into their talent strategy. We see a multitude of companies actually making announcements around their new work policies. Like for example, a major Belgian corporation that recently adopted its new global work policy, allowing employees to work flexible, anytime and from anywhere. But it of course also raises a number of items that need to be taken into account to ensure that the new policy can be sustained and that it does not lead to any unexpected or unwanted consequences for the company and for the people. Apart from tracking where people are actually performing their employment activities, also questions are triggered like, who is working from a home office environment? Or from a holiday home, second residence abroad, what about home office expenses? These are all items that need to be taken into account and addressed to get a solid policy. And it goes even further. For example, one could raise questions with respect to the unemployment injury insurance. Is it also covering people who work home abroad? It's not just about the typical long-term assignments, short-term assignments, commuters and business travelers, but now also an increasingly about virtual assignments, and especially structural, remote-based cross-border working.
0: I'm intrigued now, Philippe. Um, So with employees working from the home office, can you elaborate a bit more on the impact for the employee?
2: Well, home office situations can indeed have an impact on the income tax, and also the social security position of employees. These are situations where HR teams within an organization should meet their colleagues of the finance team and vice versa. This HR finance interaction will become even more crucial because home working can of course result in local employer registration formalities and reporting obligations which may then require for example a shadow payroll a shadow payroll in a country where the company typically has no presence whatsoever. So If a person works from home in a country where the company has a presence already, well, this is often typically solved by putting that employee on the payroll of the local entity. So Evie, I understand that this can, of course, also raise issues from a corporate income tax and a transfer pricing perspective. Can you maybe share your experience in that field? Happy to do
3: so, Philip. In my experience up until now, definitely with the finance team, there was quite a bit of uh, awareness, as Jonas already referred to, linked to substance that people outside a certain jurisdiction working from home or salespeople covering a larger geographical area that includes multiple jurisdictions or even high ranking uh, people within the organization that work outside um, the location of the headquarters, could could give rise to PE issues, so basically taxable presence outside of a certain jurisdiction. Often quick fixes were introduced by Adir, as you refer to recognizing a PE or uh, putting a cross-charge or on-charge mechanism in place. to make sure that the jurisdiction received the right remuneration for the type of services um, that were rendered or the type of activity that that was done in that uh, jurisdiction. The trigger often was an audit or questions from the tax authorities. We have seen, for example, over the past couple of years that the UK uh, and Germany have been very active and aggressive in this area. Uh, leading to uh, often leading to a larger exercise at the client side to look into um, PE issues across, for example, their MEA structure. However, uh, as you you and and Jonas both mentioned, uh, today it's a larger scale. It's no longer the one or two employees that sit out of sight of a certain jurisdiction um, where the necessary substance was built up. It is Um, a work from anywhere uh, policy uh, to uh, tap into the right uh, talent. And that immediately then links into uh, the question, what does this do for my uh, business model? Um, Am I creating issues that go well beyond uh, permanent establishment or transfer pricing corrections? Am I uh, doing something that would really impact my effective tax rate as a group because I am creating a um, significant presence outside, uh, for example, the principal jurisdiction or uh, I am contaminating my limited risk entity locally by putting too many uh, people with uh, functions outside of of the scope of that um, entity on their payroll to have a quick fix uh, for uh, the the remuneration issue there. Um, So the new normal um, will definitely have an impact for centralized uh, businesses um, if you look at shifting key people or key functions to other locations but it will in any way um have an impact for for any business operate operating globally as uh, many of them will want to keep a handle on their effective tax rate definitely in these COVID times and if they don't stay close to their HR department in terms of hires policy around working uh, from anywhere this might uh, um, give rise to um, unpleasant surprises and, and tax questions across the board. In addition to that, um, definitely for less labor intensive acti- activities uh, such as holding, financing, etc., you could also question whether it couldn't give rise to residency issues uh, on top of the uh, existing challenges that already um, come into play today.
0: Can I interrupt you there, Evie? Because um... I hear you well. Um, But are you saying that for some profiles or business models, the work from anywhere policy is not an option at all?
3: That's a question we get a lot, Peter. And uh, the answer is clearly no, not at all. We're not saying that the work from anywhere policy is something that cannot be pursued if you have a centralized model in place. Um, It is just a question of putting the right governance uh, in place making a clear analysis and a clear roadmap of, of where you want to go to as a, as a company, as a group, as as an HR department linked to that as well. Um, so there are definitely a lot of solutions for this new way of working to align um, your business model and, and make sure you capture or um, avoid uh, any risks uh, that are created. So for some, um, this will mean uh, setting up um, local companies setting up regional hubs for certain um, profiles within the organization setting up service entities that provide workers um, to multiple entities in the group and for others it will mean recognizing a pe pe here or there um or even consider their business model in light of this new reality and and see whether they need a drastic shift uh, on that end. So the spectrum is quite large uh, and there's definitely a solution, but it needs to be tailored to what the company uh, actually envisaged and where they wanna go, both from a corporate and HR perspective. But Philippe, from that perspective, um, something that pops up very often as well is homeworking. Um, And I think there's an update from the Belgian tax authorities that you can share, right?
2: Well, that's correct. Uh, A positive thing to mention here is that the Belgian tax authorities, they are aware of the difficulties and they have assembled a task force to investigate homeworking and this from different angles. So the idea is to be one, pragmatic and two, to create tax guidelines for Belgium, ideally together with our neighboring countries and to identify criteria or typically situations which will or which will not trigger a permanent establishment in belgium through this homeworking or a service permanent establishment in belgium so the oecd is also looking into this topic so hopefully more to come in the upcoming months as we steadily exit this pandemic so on a belgian level also the tax administration has only very recently updated its guidelines for the reimbursement of home office expenses by employers and this beyond COVID-19.
0: Okay, uh, thanks Evie, Philippe for, for sharing this eh? and I think it's clear for the listeners now that the new reality is there but that there are multiple uh, angles to it, uh, tax angles, uh, social angles and so on. I imagine and, and I, I would raise that question to you Jonas, I imagine that a lot of listeners are now thinking What can we do? Because the new reality is there, it's not going to go away. Uh, What should we do now to prepare for this? Uh, Perhaps, can you share your your thoughts on that one, Jonas?
1: Yeah, definitely, Peter. Um, I think, first of all, companies need to recognize that we have reached, I think, a fundamental shift a true digital disruption impacting the way we work, how we work, from where we work, and this impact will have longer-term consequences on the value and supply chains of multinationals. As these evolutions continue, I believe that tax authorities' perspectives on substance will continue to evolve as well as the very notion of substance itself. A more digital economy implies that what creates value within the multinational is also going to evolve as well as the people that are fulfilling the DEMP roles and the people that are actually having control over risk. What are we going to do, for instance, with business models under which different people out of different jurisdictions work together virtually? The asset might be registered in country A, key management located in country B, and the people that actually develop the asset spread over multiple countries outside of country A or country B. Moreover, under Pillar 1, amount A, allocations might be made to countries, even if they lack any form of traditional substance, purely on the basis of having a customer base. And what about Pillar 2? Will there be room for substance-based carve-outs or not? And perhaps the concept of Pillar 2 might go beyond the current DEMPY and control over risk rules. So we are likely evolving to some form of double or hybrid interpretation of substance, depending on the way you look at it. So to answer your question, Peter, a few things I think to consider. Um, Start with understanding the evolution of the HR strategy around the new way of working. Where will people work from? And which talent will be attracted and what does that mean in terms of getting access to the right talent pool does this hr evolution also impact business models is the group itself evolving in terms of value chain focus and does this also impact value creation are the current governance frameworks of groups and the policies suited to accommodate the changed reality or not and if not what are the options then to accommodate this change reality? This could involve a change in business model, a hybrid business model uh, using a mix of legal entities, PEs, branches, a global employment company, combined with changes to transfer pricing policies and profit allocations. And perhaps fa- finally, Peter, I would also recommend to look into supporting documentation, rulings, APAs uh, and assess if also these need to be re-evaluated or updated. Back to you, Peter.
0: Well, thanks you for sharing those valuable insights and, and, and action points. Um I think with this uh recommendation in the end we come to the end of the podcast. Yeah? and and um thank you all for tuning in. Uh, the the new way of working, uh, that's what I remember from the session is definitely going to happen, multiple angles, but also opportunities to proactively take action and be ready for the for the new way of working. Um Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for the speakers. So Evie, Filip Jonas, thanks a lot for being here. And I would say uh, stay tuned for uh, further updates in the future. Thank you.